Good morning and welcome to The Skinny for Friday, July 14th here on WMNF. I'm Mitch Perry, senior political reporter for the Florida Phoenix, joined by my colleagues, freelance writer and author Ben Montgomery and creative loafing editor-in-chief Ray Roa. Good morning, guys. Good How morning. Doing, How's everybody doing? All right. All right. So here we are. We're going to talk today on the issue of cannabis, where it's at when it comes to regulations in the state and the country and the emerging development of psychedelic drugs. And the reason for this topic is in part is because there's going to be a, a focus of this tomorrow in South St. Petersburg at an event called Cannadelic. And it's being put on by our guests, Pete and Colleen Sessa, founders of the Florida Cannabis Coalition. And they're in the studio with us this morning. Uh, Pete and Colleen, great to see you this morning. Thanks for joining us. Good hey, morning. Great to see you. Good morning. All right. So before we talk about tomorrow, um, which you're uh, billing as... Uh, uh, this, oh, we should say this is not your first cannabis psychedelic drug convention, but I want to know the Florida Cannabis Coalition. Tell us, this has been going on since 2014. Tell yeah. me what, what it's all about. Yeah, so back in 2014 in Tampa, we started the Florida Cannabis Coalition um, in order to help Amendment 2 get passed in 2014. And if you remember, even though we got uh, 57% of the vote, it did not pass, um, but we decided to uh, make our focus getting the businesses together and getting people who wanted to be in the industry together in order to get this thing passed. And um, in 2016, it did pass. Um, and over the course of that time, we've hosted several uh, large-scale events um, at different types of hotels. And then we also did community networking events we called green carpeting events, uh, green carpet events all around the state, hundreds of them uh, for patient education, business networking, all of that. And uh, it's been uh, an interesting ride, I gotta, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, yeah um, so in Canadelic is tomorrow, and uh, what are the details? Let's talk about the details of that. So, go ahead. Yeah, Canadelic starts uh, tomorrow at, uh, you know, our VIP entrance is at 10 a.m., and then you can come at 12 noon for the general admission, and it's at the factory in St. Pete. It's also um, at the fairgrounds in St. Pete, which is kind of a, a little bit of a misnomer because it's not an actual, like, fairgrounds, like an outside <laughs> thing that people think of. It's actually a super trippy, immersive, psychedelic art museum that is, like, when I saw it, it was like, we need to host I've never event. heard of it before. Yeah, yeah. Right? You said yeah, you're yeah the fairgrounds are really cool. It's open, I think a couple summers ago, I take my kid there once or twice a year, and he loves it just because you walk in there, it's immediately like colors, bing, 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 lights, you know, shapes, there's little dioramas of like roaches eating dinner, like <laughs> it's really trippy stuff, and, and it's really cool, and it's easy to walk through. Where's it Where's it at? Is uh, it it's right there at the factory, it's right there in the, well, we used to call it the warehouse district, I think they still do, um, 2622 Fairfield okay. Avenue in St. Petersburg, mm -hmm. um, and in full disclosure, Canadelic's being put on in conjunction with Creative Loafing, um, Tampa Bay, the company with which I work. However, I work on the editorial side. And Pete, I, I was curious because I don't get to ask these questions to James or we talk about it in private, but now I can ask you from an editorial standpoint. How do you link up with, with James and, and, and you know your history of doing all the events and, and decide to do this with James um, in our company? Well, it was because, well, first of all, I had been following Creative Loafing since I moved to Tampa, like in 2011. So it we had, was... We had attended their uh, Tampa Bay CannaFest a couple years ago. Right, yeah, we, we had that with uh, Ian Beckles. Correct. And that, Correct. Is, and that is how we got in touch with, um, with, with James. James. Because Ian was a speaker at our event in Miami. Okay. Um, and we have known Ian for a, a little while. We did his podcast with him. And, you know, he pulled us aside and was like, we got to do one of these in Tampa. You know, let's do it with Creative Loafing. And then when we met with James, I mean, it was it, it, it was a no-brainer. Because we were all on the same page. And once we found the venue, it was... 
Uh, I mean, it, it was off to the races with it, and it's been a really, really... It's been a pleasure working yeah. with Creative Loafing, really. Yeah, I was so, telling Pete today, I was like, people have been hitting me up about this who I've never heard from before in like, my whole editorial. So what's going to go on tomorrow? For folks who have never been to one of these expos or conventions, what are they going to see? So we have an expo hall, which has about 60 or so exhibitors, everything from hemp to different mushroom products and uh, different types of uh, people that do different types of healing, right? And then we have our speaking schedule, which has a lot of experts in the fields um, doing a lot of panel discussions. Um, so these are really popular. Um, we have a, um, an artist that just moved to St. Pete, Chris Dyer, who's one of the you know leading psychedelic artists or visionary artists in the world um, and he had just moved to St. Pete and he's going to be you know do one of our fireside chats and then we have activations as well we call these our activities room where we have things like cacao ceremony or mindful meditation breath work things like that harp uh, sound therapy harp sound therapy that's going to I definitely have to yeah, check that one out for sure I call that sleep <laughs> <laughs> very relaxing now you said in Miami which you had one of these in Miami you had 12,000 people 13,000 people in Miami in February yeah how did you guys come to this? <laughs> to to doing, doing what events. you do, yeah. Well, What's the background. Well, I had well, I have an interesting background that started way back when I was born on four twenty seventy seven. Always on brand. <laughs> the joke is that his mom did that on purpose. <laughs> so I had my little bit of a you know I, my I was very into cannabis in my youth um, in a lot of different ways and Where'd you grow up? Where'd in New York in um, Staten Island. But using it more as like medicine, like helping with like attention and, you know, like different like anxiety and depression, not knowing he was using it as medicine. I think a lot of people do it that way. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, you know, I got a little bit of the activist taste in 93 when I, when I marched in the uh, you know, pot parade, it was called at the time. And uh, we marched up to Central Park and they would promise everybody that they were going to drop joints out of a helicopter. Central <laughs> Park. That's how you get people to walk, march up So you're up not dropping Avenue. joints out of a helicopter on a Saturday. <laughs> so we're not doing okay. that. Uh, but we, you know, so at, at that time, I, you know, you take out your career, you know, take kind of takes over, you kind of lose sight of it. But in 2014, I had the opportunity to get into the cannabis business with the Florida Cannabis Coalition. Um, and it's just been, you know, something that you believe in, you know, that just you just want to be a part of it. So we've been making things happen. So with Canadelic, what actually happened was during COVID, um, we had, you know, mental health became a very, very, very big subject for us personally. Mm -hmm. And I think globally. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a registered nurse and I suffer from seizures, pain, depression, uh, suicidal ideation. I got so bad during COVID that I was going to just end everything. I was like, I'm done. I can't go on anymore. And Pete actually reached out to a friend of ours behind my back because it was so bad. Uh, and she got me on some ketamine and some therapy and that helped break the suicidal ideation mindset. So I, you know, relaxed and got, you know, got out of that. <laughs> And then we both decided that we need to bring the psychedelics into the cannabis to, you know, educate the community, really. Will there be information uh, on ketamine in particular? Yes. Yes, yeah. yes mm -hmm. for sure. Um, ketamine, if, if people don't know, is um, technically the only legal psychedelic. It's not really a psychedelic. It's more of a dissociative, and it's used during... Um, surgery, if someone's allergic to propofol, they'll use ketamine. So In order to put you to sleep yeah. for surgery. So, you know, ketamine is a disassociative, so it puts you into a state where you can kind of 
lose the, the the trauma in your body and you can just kind of think like more clearly. So It's like um, you're in a float tank. So if you have extreme pain or anxiety, it just stops all that for like an hour of time. So you can like have some time to think clearly. And there's a lot more, it gets a lot more technical than that with like the brain, like and how it, it grows new dendrites and things like that. Neuroplasticity, yeah. So there, it's, it's pretty involved. But that, you know, ketamine is what they're using in clinics right now as a psychedelic clinic, you know, combined with therapy, somatic and talk therapy, mm-hmm. they use ketamine right now because it's legal. But so, in the future, it'll probably be like MDMA, LSD. Um, psilocybin. And, you mean illegal in the future? No, once it's legal, they'll oh, add right. those into the clinics. But I want to say as a nurse, I don't encourage going out and using all this stuff recreationally right. if you want to get better. That's not going to help you if you're doing MDMA all weekend, you're dehydrated, right. you know, you're not eating. You have to do it with a doctor, a yeah. therapist. You have to do the psychotherapy, your behavioral changes. You ha- it's, it's a lot of work. And that's what we'll be seeing with the groups like MAPS, and we, we can talk exactly. about it shortly. Uh, so you're just tuning in right now. It's 1115. We're speaking with Pete and Colleen Sessa. They're the founders of the Florida Cannabis Coalition, and they're organizing the Canadelic event that's taking place in South St. Petersburg tomorrow. And uh, we'll want to open up the phones here, 813-239-9663, or you can also, of course, write to us at uh, dj at wmf.org. <laughs> and joining us on the phone right now, I want to bring in uh, Chris Kano from the Florida, or the Suncoast, I believe it is, Normal National Organization for of marijuana reform laws. Chris, are you there? Chris. Don't have Chris right now. Chris, are you there? Thanks for having me on. Okay, cool, cool. Hey, I wanted to bring you on, Chris, uh, for a few minutes here as we talk about this because I wanted to get into... Um, it's, you know, the political aspect of this, uh, and that is, of course, as, you know, as Pete was saying, Pete got involved with this effort in 2014. That's when we did have medical marijuana on the ballot the first time, which did not pass. It did pass in 2016. The law went into effect with medical marijuana in 2017. There have been a lot of issues with um, the way that the Florida legislatures introduced uh, the issue with medical cannabis uh in terms of the whole vertical integration issue and the like. But right now, how many, I believe, uh, Chris, there's 22 uh, organizations or people who have licenses right now to sell medical marijuana, is that correct? 23, correct. 23. And, and then and the state's about to open up to, what, 22 more? Yes. Yeah, and yeah. there's been uh, 74 applicants for those 22 licenses. And do we have a timeline when the Department of Health is going to give those out, as it, as it were? Uh, anybody's guess is as good as mine. Uh, that has been a, a key marker of the DeSantis administration is continuously to kick the can down the road and open it up this market uh, beyond the initial uh, vertically integrated cartel structure. Yes. <laughs> so, right. And so we've got, of course, okay, a lot of people know that we've got uh, we're, recreational cannabis is something that is very much in the news here in Florida because the folks who are supporting that uh, they've already got the signatures, which is, you know, enormous. Over 900,000, you need legitimate signatures to get a review by the Supreme Court, so to get it on the ballot. Uh, and we'll see. By the way, so I want to, by the way, so, but, but Attorney General Ashley Moody and Ron DeSantis, they do not want this. Uh, recently, Moody uh, responded to the, so this ballot measure is going to be uh, on the 2024 ballot that would legalize the adult use of recreational cannabis for adults 21 and over. Uh, in the 49-page response, Ashley Moody wrote that the initiative uh, misleads voters in several key respects. And she detailed four places in the ballot summary where she says that the sponsors of the measure are misleading voters. Now, again, we'll see what happens with this, but 
uh, Moody was successful, was she not, in knocking down earlier efforts, uh, which, which did not have the funding that this measure does, but were earlier efforts to get uh, recreational cannabis on the ballot in Florida, right, Chris? Uh, Attorney General Moody uh, intervened there. Yes, she's uh, been able to knock down two previous uh, legalization initiatives that uh, gathered enough signatures for Supreme Court review. What's ironic about this particular measure, which she's challenging, is that it was drafted with the help of major Republican establishment consultants. And so, you know, it, it's mind boggling that they would challenge it. But when you think about any time that cannabis has been on the ballot in a state, it tends to increase uh, voter turnout, especially among demographics, which Ron DeSantis is struggling in. So as the potential nominee in his mind uh, for the Republican nominee for president, he doesn't want to see this on the ballot. It would make sense for him to try and get Ashley Moody to strike it down. Uh, but it's ironic because it is a Republican design uh, uh, you know, petition. It was, it was meant that way. So that way uh, the Supreme Court wouldn't knock it down. I, I, I want to bring up a couple of the arguments that she, you know, has referenced here in her filing because just just to, for you know for people to know about one she says is that the ballot summary is misleading because quote reasonable voters would understand its discussion of possession limits for personal use to say that the proposed amendment limits the scope of the immunity created by the amendment. I don't even know what that means, but she says that in fact the amendment goes beyond that. It bans the possession of more than three ounces of marijuana. She says, were voters warned that the amendment would restrict marijuana possession in this way, effectively banning most or all marijuana cultivation, they might reconsider their support for the initiative. Now, we do not have homegrown in the state. We know that Joe Redner lost that lawsuit a few years ago. Uh, does Does this measure address that at all, Chris? No, for the voters' clarification, the only thing this measure does, if it were to be voted on and passed, is the existing license holders can now start selling cannabis over the counter without a doctor's recommendation. That's all the petition does. Mm-hmm. Anything else uh, is is essentially, um, you know, being inferred in someone's head, or it only exists in the minds of these prohibitionists who don't want to see it move forward. Right, and there are a lot of barriers to entry for this, the uh, programs. You know, I mean, it's it's expensive. If they if people can't afford the medicine and they could grow at home, that would be much more affordable. There's people- a lot of states allow that, right? A right. lot of states allow that. For, for- Which there is a separate petition being circulated for home grow for current medical patients uh, by Wise Florida. That's still in the petition gathering phase. So there is a petition out there to specifically address that. The Supreme Court has a tendency to strike uh, voter initiatives down that are grassroots because of this single issue thing, which is why they didn't include any type of uh, personal growing in this amendment. So, right. So what you just said, Chris, you said Republicans, I don't know who that was who helped write this language of this amendment, but look, these folks, did, they've, you know, it's kind of live and learn, right? We've seen what the state has said they, they do not, would not approve. So you would think, you know, that they'll make sure that they get it right this time because let the voters decide, but it's not going to get stopped. They would hope, you would think at the Supreme Court level when this has already gone, happened before and you know how to address that when you write up the new amendment, new proposal. Well, the, the thing that gives me pause is the fact that Ron DeSantis has stacked this court, and we had a 4-3 split on the medical marijuana amendment uh, back in 2014 when it went before the Supreme Court. Uh, this is a much more conservative court, and those three liberal justices are not there to vote. So, you know, we will see just exactly how conservative the Florida Supreme Court is when it comes to an amendment drafted by Republicans, sponsored by Republican donors uh, before their own court. 
Hey, before we, Chris, stay there. And why don't we bring some, we got some callers calling in right now. So let's see. I think some folks want to know maybe more about what's happening tomorrow. Let's see. We've got uh, Bonnie from Mayaka. Bonnie, you're on WMNF. Hey, good morning. Nice show today. Thanks. I want to put my hand up and say yes to recreational marijuana. I am a medical marijuana user for several years now, and it helped tremendously with my anxiety, which, of course, helps me to sleep, which gives me a better overall quality of life. Yes. Um, and I'm uh, curious about your festival tomorrow. Always looking for a reason to go to St. Petersburg. <laughs> I, let me just point out, by the way, I'm not sure how old Bonnie is, but the proportion of adults 65 and older who report recent cannabis use in Florida jumped 18 percent from 5.1 uh, percent in 2019 to 6 percent in 2020. It's a big jump, 18 yeah. percent. That's according to the 2020 National Survey of Drug Use and Health. Um, and there are a lot of companies that sell medical that are catering to the senior population, 65 and older. And Trulieve, in fact, uh, is doing senior discounts, senior Sundays, things like that. Um, so this is a, there are signs of growth in uh, the medical field all over the place. I think because it's legal, it's more acceptable for them to try it. Right. Yeah. Right. right. We know so many people didn't want didn't right. wanted it, right. but they just they, won't, they don't want to break the law. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, Bonnie, you used to uh, hear a quote uh, you, to Bonnie. the Times from 74-year-old Marvin Yeoman. You used to have to sneak in the back alley to purchase it. Now you can just walk right into the store and buy it. Yeah, yeah. So we've got somebody, let's see, Karen writes in. She says, I think DeSantis, uh, let's see, I just lost this. I think DeSantis is going to get rid of this wonderful hemp product. Sad you aren't having this expo on Sunday as well because she has to work tomorrow. That's Karen in Dunedin. Uh, Chris, let's talk about the, the hemp. We, we had a whole show devoted this months ago because... Um, the hemp, it looked like the hemp was uh, on the, not the death rails maybe, but it, it was, yeah. there was serious um, legislative proposal to really limit um, the, you know, THC uh, amounts in, in the products. Uh, and Chris, I, let me, I know we saw, we saw a lot of people come from uh, all across the state to testify against the bill in Tallahassee. I saw that. Um, all of a sudden, mysteriously, they just dropped that. And we know this is, I think 20 other states have regulated, because we're talking a lot about uh, Delta 9 here. Um, by the way, and I don't know if you guys want to talk about this too. What's it, what is, let's talk about Delta 9 for a moment, because this has become something that nobody ever heard of until the coronavirus basically kind of emerged then. Um, Pete, do you want to talk about Delta 9? Delta 9 yeah. THC yeah. And, and being sold as hemp. and being... Well, well, I mean... Um, what is Delta 9? Yeah, right? Isn't it because... Um, how, did it come, how did it come about, basically? Del Delta, Delta 9 is activated THC. It's one of the cannabinoids. Right? There's like hundreds of cannabinoids in the... Right, and it's it's the one um, uh, cannabinoid it's, that the government is concerned about is delta nine THC. That's what they don't want. That's the stuff that um, gets you quote unquote high um, in cannabis. Um, delta nine um, is converted from THCA, right? And THCA is what cannabis exists as right now. Like it's the as acid it, when form. You, when you pick it off the plant and you dry it out, it's THCA. And then when you heat it up, it becomes Delta 9 THC. And that is the stuff that is illegal. So in the hemp industry, um, going off of the farm bill, what right. they're talking about is, well, as long as we're in the in the, Delta, the limits of how much Delta 9 is in there, we should be good. And since this is THCA, 
we should be good but with it. But it's coming from a hemp plant, right? The Delta 9 that they're talking about is derived from hemp, so it's legal under the hemp bill. Well, and I've heard it described as a loophole that, right, that they've been right. able to find this. And exactly. that's why there's concern that when this new farm bill, because the farm bill is being re- reauthorized this year, that, that they, this will be addressed in this federal farm bill. Have you I, heard about that? I have no doubt that something is going to be addressed in this mm-hmm. in this coming farm bill because it's too confusing. Yeah. There's too much um, subjectivity in the law and how you interpret it. If you look at the websites of some of the hemp companies, they'll quote the farm bill right on there and say, hey, you're buying something legal. And if you ask the people that pay hundreds of million dollars for licenses to have a mar- marijuana company. Like True Leaf? It's not legal. Right, <laughs> so. right. There was a rumor that True Leaf was, was uh, behind the effort <clears throat> to stop it this they year. Rumor? That. They well, well, they denied it to me. I, I, well, I no, they, they, didn't they come out with a, a letter and they admitted it? or um, I don't know if they've admitted that. I we don't talked know. about it on the show uh, when we had our, our guests on here, and there was definitely a hot topic. Where's Kano? There's Kano. Yeah, Chris, Chris yeah. what are your thoughts? Uh, so... In the state of Florida, truly has uh, uh, unabashedly denied that they're mm-hmm. behind it. However, we do have written proof that they are behind bans in states such as Arizona okay. and Virginia okay. by their own hands. Okay, that, okay, well, that clarifies it. So in other states, but yet here in Florida, they're hands off on it. Um, so uh, let's see. Well, we've got we've got, we've got a lot of people. I'm sorry. You want, anybody want to say something? Okay. So uh, we've got people uh, on the line here. I should get back to them. Let's go to uh, Robert in St. Petersburg. Hi, Robert. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the show. What do you want to talk about? Hey, sorry about that. Um, I was just, uh, I heard you guys talking a little bit about, about um, psychedelics and therapy. Right. And I heard you mentioned MAP. Yeah. And I, um, I recently saw or listened to a podcast by Symposia. They're a psychedelic watch group. And, um, they did some like deep diving investigating into maps and there was some, I don't know if it was exactly maps or if it was another therapy that was very similar to how they were, uh, conducting their, uh, their organization. Uh-huh. And, uh, there were some problematic aspects of it in regards to the, um, the therapy being like one-on-one or maybe two-on-one. There were some, some um some like lines crossed that were basically some some um abuse abusive type things that were happening and I just wanted to know if you guys were familiar with that or if you yes that all what do you think Pete? There were- yeah and we're we're definitely familiar with some of the um first of all the potential for abuse when it comes to um, therapy especially psychedelic therapy and some of the accusations against um, some people in the field there has been accusation accusations against people in um, um, you know ibogaine is a big uh, psychedelic treatment people use for right. uh, to cure addiction. addiction. You know, just do it once, and your addiction is um, you know supposedly cured. Um, and there are people that have had you know like um, co- complete transformations, but there are people that have died doing it. And there um, are therapists who have taken advantage of the therapist patient relationship 100%. and gone over stepped over the line. Um, and right. I don't is, know if that's directly connected to MAPS. Yes, because Robert's talking about MAPS itself, I guess, maybe oh, some allegations. I don't, I don't know of any specifics yeah. you know, yeah, tied, maps. tied to MAPS at all, but uh, I do know that it's 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 definitely an issue in the industry, mm-hmm. and it's definitely something that is brought up um, in a lot of the panel discussions that we I heard have. about the symposium you, people in Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, so again, uh, if you're just tuning in right now, it's about almost 11.30 here on WMF on the skinny here. Mitch Perry, Ben Montgomery, Ray Roa, and with our guests Pete and Colleen Sessa, uh, the founders of the Florida Cannabis Coalition. They are, of course, hosting Canadella tomorrow in St. Petersburg. Let's get the address again. If we, somebody has that. Yeah, I've got that pulled up here. So that's in St. Petersburg in the Warehouse District, 2622 Fairfield Avenue South. VIP admission will start at 10 in the morning, uh, noon for GA. And you're going to midnight, so you have a lot of time to get down there, cruise around. There's going to be a is, lot of panels. And there's a website, is there a website yeah. where people can get more information? TampaBayCannafest.com. Oh, no, no, go to, oh. to CanadelicSummer.com. There you go. They oh. both lead to the same place, but... Cool, cool. <laughs> okay. Um, also, yeah. I want to recommend using a ride share because parking is very limited. Oh, okay, good so to know. That kind of leads me to a question. I kind of want to dumb it down and bring it back down to anybody who's kind of listening and being like, psychedelic drugs, right. marijuana. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. is something like this legal? Right. Like, what's happening? Like, yeah. how is this legal, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's a really interesting <laughs> question because yeah. people ask that from the first Florida Cannabis Coalition events. Yeah. Like, how can you have a cannabis event? Like, how can you have a psychedelic event? Well, um, we do a lot of education. And, you know, when it comes to hemp products, there are a lot of products that are, you know, legal that can be, you know, sold. We also, um, there's also a lot of networking that goes on. Just um, functional mesh- mushrooms. There's the companies that don't actually touch the product that are, ex- you know, auxiliary companies. And then there are companies that are, that have brands that are legal um, in other states. So there'll be brands that'll come out and try and promote their brand here um, to either get picked up by one of the dispensaries or to just promote their brand amongst the consumer base here or to make some connections or whatever. So we've always had a good amount of different companies coming in and out. We also have startups and things like that, especially in the psychedelic space. Psychedelic space, there's a lot of startups. And by the way, I should say that Oregon and Colorado have recently decriminalized the use of mushrooms. Uh, Chris, um, wasn't there a bill, I think Mike Caruso in South Florida was trying to, uh, have proposed legislation about allowing for some psychedelics for therapeutic uses that came up. I don't think it ever got a hearing, but it was introduced in the legislature. That is correct. You know, uh, ironically, other states are moving forward. Uh, California's uh, assembly just had a second committee uh, move forward its bill to legalize mushrooms, DMT, ibogaine, mescaline. Um, It doesn't allow for synthetic psychedelics like LSD or MDMA, but organic natural grown psychedelics are taking off uh, around various states in the country. And I want to stay with you, Chris Kano, for a minute. Again, Chris Kano from Normal on the line, or Suncoast Normal, uh, about legislation when it comes. So let's just stay with cannabis for a second, uh, because I think one of the big issues, right, has been trying to get cannabis off of what they call the Schedule One level of drugs, which other hard, much harder drugs are listed as. But that hasn't gone anywhere. President Biden, I know, has uh, put his FDA, I believe it is, or his HHS, I forget which departments are looking into this. I did a story that came out last week on this that some are skeptical that, you know, that Biden will, you know, that it, they'll come out with anything before the end of the first term in office anyway. But in, on Congress, when it comes to cannabis, uh, what are the bills out there and what do they say? What are they trying to do? Well, there's three major bills in Congress. Uh, One is the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act, which is sponsored by the leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, as well as Cory Booker and Ron Wyden. Um, So that is a bill, obviously, with leadership uh, sponsoring it that they want to get right and that they want to, you know, they've been playing the slow game, uh, but that will be rolling out. Then in the House, you have the uh, Moore Act, which actually passed the House uh, back in in, uh, prior to, you know, the Biden administration in in that lame duck session uh, taking off. And then you have the States Act, which is sponsored uh, by Nancy Mace, a Republican from South Carolina. Um, All in all, it's really a fight in Congress 
um, right now with the GOP leadership in control of fighting several bills that have to do with reform. In particular, this past week, uh, there were several bills that were defeated in the uh, Defense Authorization Act, one coming from Republican Matt Gates in Florida that would have eliminated drug testing as a requirement for military enlistment. Um, others like uh, from Dan Crenshaw um, that would have expanded uh, the ability of the Department of Defense to utilize psychedelics for our troops. Now, they just voted and passed out of the House the Defense Authorization Act while we've been on this show. And there is an amendment in there, which is a bipartisan amendment from uh, AOC and Dan Crenshaw, which will uh, direct the Defense Secretary to carry out a clinical study on the therapeutic benefits of psychedelics for active duty members with PTSD or traumatic brain injury. So that is still in the bill right now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And if you're just joining us, the voice you just heard is uh, Christopher Kano of Suncoast Normal. We're joined in studio by Pete and Colleen Sessa of the Cannabis Coalition. They are throwing Canadelic Summer this weekend um, in St. Petersburg. We've got a few calls here, Mitch. Do you want to open one up? Yeah, I want to go another note here, by the way. Uh, let's see here. This is Dennis. Is Given that we, that we acknowledge that inhaling smoke isn't really good for our lungs, limiting THC content only makes a patient smoke more for the same effect. Really dumb, he says. Okay, uh, yeah, let's go to uh, let's go to Clark in uh, Ybor City. Hi, Clark. Hey, team. Oh, hi, I'm sorry. Hi. Yes. Hello, team, can you hear me? Yes, yes. ma'am. Yeah, yeah, I'm calling from Tallahassee. Clark oh. from Ybor City, Kim O'Connor from uh, Tallahassee. Oh, hi, Kim, hi. If the, if the, if the Florida Phoenix needs anything uh, running around up here in the Tallahassee, be happy to do it. Oh, appreciate we'll that. Parking space. We we'll use your way back in the day, right? I've run for state house twice, uh, once when I was 25, and then again, uh, most recently in 2018, uh, when West Tampa uh, had an open state house seat. Can know the name you know. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you very much for the phone call. I appreciate that. And let's go to uh, Becky, who was calling. uh, Let's let's do that. And let's go to Becky, I think, from uh, Charleston, West Virginia. Is that correct, Becky? Yes. Hi. Welcome to WMNF. Hi. Um, I just wanted to, I, I live in Charleston, and everything in West Virginia is legal. They have dispensaries, but it's like where I live, I have a lease. It's mainly for handicapped and older people, and it's a high-rise. But there are people here that smoke marijuana. And we just found out that if we do smoke, those of us that do and they smell it, that we can get evicted if caught. Yes. Interesting. Because yeah, Because it's, it's true. a federal so-called rule. And the building is HUD, so it's federal. So you want to take a piece of dryer sheet 
and put it down into a toilet paper roll. <laughs> when you exhale, blow it through. They also have a smoke buddy now, too. You can do that. Pre-made. We have one of those, the little, yes. Yeah. Got just about anything you could imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so how much of that do you hear about with, with people who, who do want to, as we said, now they have a little bit of a gateway to get in there, but then they still run into trouble to say, where can I actually do it? Yeah. You know, we need um, how much do you hear that? For, for what, at two o'clock in the morning, I guess I'm supposed to go outside in the dark. Do it. I don't yeah. Know. Right. It's they a problem. They want us to do it, period. Yeah. We need protections for consumers and also for employees. The yeah, s- the yeah. state can help too. If, uh, if federal law changes, I apologize. What did you say? Uh, does this does this all go away? Does it get fixed if some comprehensive federal law uh, re- rectifies this? And, and I, I would imagine so, but still being in a yeah. condo, it's kind of you know air pollution. Right. Violence. I mean, I mean like, cigarettes are you legal, know. right, in some right. cases, but yeah, they're regulated heavily in certain. Right. And this is a HUD building, which yeah. is a federal building, right. so. But even HOAs, I think, are allowed to say. Is that true or no? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, know I've never heard of that. Oh. Okay, Becky. Well, you know, any more anecdotally, uh, just, just having visited a couple of big cities lately, Vancouver and, and, and it's been a few days in wow. New York. Um, New York, the, 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 the smell of uh, reefer has really sort of replaced Manhattan cigarettes. Yeah. Manhattan, you know, it's so prevalent. Constant, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't know if that's a good thing, think. right? I mean, just like it's, it's, it's not offensive yeah. to me. I mean, right. I never found it to be like, overwhelming. What is the difference? But uh, I enjoy it more than cigarettes. I do, yeah. <laughs> the New York Post, uh, you read it, every, you know, which I read, God, they wail against the, uh, the, the herb smell there. Thank you so much for the call, Becky. Yes. Um, 813-239-9663 is our phone number. We're talking about cannabis and psychedelics. There's this big convention taking place tomorrow in South St. Petersburg, Kennedelic. Um, and I want to bring something up that maybe kind of brings uh, the tone down a little bit in terms of like um, research on cannabis. I don't know if you guys heard about this because there's been talk out there, but is there like evidence of like things on terms of the high strain of cannabis, right? We know the THC levels are certainly higher than they were back in the 70s and 80s. And you will hear critics say, uh, it's much more potent and we have to be worrying about this. Well, there was, this is from the National Institutes of Health. Uh, so it, a report that came out uh, just a couple months ago in May and it's headlined, Young Men at Higher Risk of Schizophrenia Linked with Cannabis Use Disorder. And I'll just read a brief bit of this. Um, so this says, uh, let's see, young men with cannabis use disorder have an increased risk of developing schizophrenia, according to a study led by researchers at the Mental Health Services in the capital region of Denmark and the National Institute on Drug Abuse at the National Institutes of Health. Uh, this was published in Psychological Medicine. It analyzed health records spanning five decades and representing more than six million people in Denmark to establish the fraction of schizophrenia cases that could be attributed to cannabis use disorder on the population level. Now, what they found basically, they, they did this with uh, men and women, they found the association was much stronger among young men. Using statistical models, the study authors estimate that as many as 30% of cases of schizophrenia among men aged 21 to 30 might have been prevented by averting cannabis use disorder. Um, I bring that up because I think it's important for people to know that because when it comes to talking about federal legislation and this momentum that we have seen in the states to decriminalize, if not outright legalize uh, cannabis, there is um, there is this pushback. Uh, and in fact, in four red states, uh, recreational marijuana has lost in the last mm. year, which is what I, I want to bring that around to us because here in Florida, because again, we talked earlier in the show about this, uh, if, if it gets Supreme Court 
review and gets on the ballot, you know, it's got, 60, got to pass through 60 percent, of course, which is not going to be easy. There's going to be an organized campaign against it. And you'll be hearing probably more about that. Um, so I, I just like to put what, any of you guys have any thoughts about that? Yeah, no, I do. Um, you know, I didn't know. I've been smoking since I was 13, 14. I did not know what concentrates were. No idea. Dabs. I think dabs are not the best for everybody. You know, way too much THC. I actually smoke half CBD, half THC in my joints. Um, the state of Florida forced everybody to learn what heavy concentrates were because they wanted to block the flower. Right. In 2017. Yeah. That makes no sense. It made no sense. And Ron DeSantis, got to give him credit for that, right? I mean, it's like, who's making... Well, it makes sense (laughs) when you think about the, you know, processing and creating cannabis oils is a hell of a lot cheaper and more efficient and much, much easier to do than to produce good cannabis flower. And in the beginning of an industry, it definitely helps the industry to not have the flower be immediately available. So the flower did not look very pretty. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes on that we just don't know about. Right. You yeah. know, but, you yeah. know, behind the scenes. But you mentioned a lot of things there, especially you mentioned THC and high THC levels, and that's one hundred percent true. The THC levels are through the roof. Way and too much. it's on purpose. Um, and I am of the firm belief that this is 100% due to marketing. And it is, it is much, much easier. When you market by numbers, it's easy. Higher number, better. Lower number, worse. It's a very simple decision to make. Not, is this indica? How's this going to make me feel? I like this terpene. Oh, this tastes good. It's all subjective. It's way easier to be like, give me the higher one. Right. So and everybody plays into that. And they when they grow it to get these higher levels of THC, they sacrifice a lot of other things, a lot of terpenes, a lot of other cannabinoids and things like that. So people are getting higher THC and higher THC. If it's not balanced with CBD or other cannabinoids can be detrimental, like to some people, you know, some people. It was actually triggering seizures for me. It was triggering my seizures. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that's something that definitely needs to be addressed. There needs to be more education about it. You can't just have people, um, you know, selling stuff just because it's higher, higher, higher. And that's the other thing too. Florida requires no medical staff at the dispensaries, but it's a medical program, right? This is true. (laughs) Is that different than other states? Yes. Other states require either a pharmacist or nurse on staff. And they also, um, some states require the, uh, med tenders, the bud tenders Mm. to be certified. Interesting. So what what are the qualifications to be a bud tender in Florida? Nothing. You don't have to know a thing. I've had people tell me, like, uh, everything's hemp until it's heated, and then it's marijuana. (laughs) So you could go from, like, slinging an IPA and be like, oh, these IPAs got too hoppy. I'm going to sell shatter. Absolutely. Actually, food service is the best recruiting ground because it's so similar similar to what you have to do. And it sounds like you're almost saying we'd welcome a little bit more regulation and rules. Absolutely. For if Well, I would welcome regulation and rules because um, you don't have enough self-regulation. And there's an argument for self-regulation, and it's happened, you know, before, but I think there's too much profiteering going on. But then there's also people who, who go in and they want to they want to do can they want to use medical marijuana, but then they get too high of a, a strain or a product and they they get sick and they're completely well, turned that's, off. That's, that's what we heard from the folks that when the hemp bill was up this year in the legislature. Folks who said it's just too strong the, the, the cannabis and they prefer these hemp products and they were but they were they didn't want them to dilute the hemp. Well, products. you know, and also you can go to the head shop and buy a hemp product and you don't have to go to the doctor and get your your 
card. You don't have to go pay to pay the state. So, you know, there's a lot of barriers right. for entry to the medical program. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Again, uh, you're tuning in right now, 1145 mm-hmm. in the morning here in WMNF. We're none talking of, here on... Just yeah. one more. One nonetheless, more even, even with the oh. barrier of entry, nonetheless, uh, there's still a... a a large number of people opting to participate in the medical marijuana program in Florida, almost a million now, right? Yes, and we, we've we've been uh, actively promoting that for yeah. uh, quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's it's and you know the it's telehealth is you know for renewals just passed right. again. Right, the legislature. So yeah. you know, well, that makes it a lot easier mm. for people to renew their recommendations, especially really sick people. But yeah. the point that Pete wanted to make was the uh, correlation doesn't equal causation. Are you reading my notes? Because Don't read my notes no. over my shoulder. <laughs> well, for me personally, I definitely had depression and anxiety before I used cannabis, and it was part of the reason why I used it and ADHD. So, you know, which one comes first? Sure, Are sure. they genetically prone to get schizophrenia? You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, referring to the Denmark study. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, and I just think that, you know, and we've heard some of this, and, and again, I, I quote this because this is a, you know, five decades. It seems like it was a pretty thorough report, but there's been speculation a lot. You hear this about, which I don't know if it's accurate or not, but you hear it out there, say, for some of these... Um, Again, with young men, we're talking about a lot, you know, mm-hmm. who are young brains, right, uh, who if they're consuming daily, which may not be the healthiest thing to do, right, with a f- growing brain and and then leading them astray to do some. Right. I would things. say CBD is much better for yeah. a, young, a young man. To what's, be using. Interesting, what's interesting to uh, consider in, in light of all this and schizophrenia in this conversation is that there was a very cloudy origin to the prohibition of pot, but it started here in Ybor City in 1933. Mm. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. An axe murder by Victor Lacata Lacanto, who killed his family yes. uh, with, without question, a family of five. And uh, originally, the police incorrectly said that he was high on marijuana when he committed the crime. Mm-hmm. And this story was never really corrected until much, much later, but the federal government used it uh, to ban uh, to ban pot. Mm-hmm. So a story close to us, a couple of miles oh, south right. of here. Stay was weird, Ebor. It's yeah. wild, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah look we, it up. Victor Lakata, Slayer. Let's go back to the phones. We've got uh, Steve from Largo on the air here. Steve, good morning. Hey, I'm going to be as quick as possible. And um, I am a cannabis industry insider and journalist. And uh, so let me go through the list of what you guys have just said. Uh, first of all, it is absolutely true that using any psychoactive drug, including pharmaceuticals, caffeine, nicotine, before the brain is set at age 23, 24, is very bad for the brain. It's not just cannabis. Um, the second thing is that the best cannabis you could possibly use is the kind that you grow and breed for yourself. Mm-hmm. Commercial cannabis is always inferior to connoisseur, craft, homegrown cannabis. Number three, Florida's cannabis industry is all about profit. The stuff that is being sold in the dispensaries is vastly inferior to what novice growers can grow for themselves as whole flour. Number four, yes, can- concentrates are dangerous, especially dabs. Number five, on, on YouTube, there's a Stanford doctor giving away the latest medical school level uh, seminars on various topics. He has one on marijuana, which is absolutely accurate. Marijuana is addictive. It does cause um, some mental illness in people who have a predisposition for it. That, um, that channel is an incredible channel called Huberman Lab, and his indictment of marijuana is accurate. And I speak as a person who uses marijuana all the time, and I am addicted to it. 
So I would say that the way Florida is set up, unless they legalize home growing, it's all about profit. The people that are growing cannabis for the legal dispensaries, including medical in the state, it's swag. And also, it's also the doctors, the medical marijuana doctors are charging ridiculous amounts of money and they don't know anything about cannabis. It's just like a doctor mill. So that's my input and I am a cannabis industry insider. I'm not going to identify myself any further because I don't want to get arrested. What do you think about that, guys? Uh-huh. Well, um, we went out to uh, the Emerald Cup and the flower out there, oh my goodness. You could what's smell... What's the Emerald Cup? Uh, yes, yeah. I'm sorry, it's a... Uh, Long-running, like, what, 29? It's a cannab- cannabis festival in, in Northern California. Okay. In the Emerald okay. Tri- Triangle up, up there. Oh, okay, um, right. right. so they have the best growing conditions up there. And they, you could smell the terpenes and the smoke from someone else who was smoking. It's just so just amazing. The color, the flavors, the, it doesn't compare to anything here. I mean, yeah, well, do you, I mean, and you don't, people can only know this if they indulge in other states, but like the quality of what you can get at a uh, dispensary here. Do you guys have any comments on I th- that? Th- I, think, better. I think the quality has gotten a lot better here in, in Florida. Um, I think originally it started out, you know, tough because you have to, it's a growing, a, a learning process. And I think that a, uh, some companies have definitely dialed it in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely think that there is a market for the home grow here and for the dispensaries to play a role in that and selling clones and seeds and things like that and genetics. Um, we have um, Cetera coming out tomorrow. We have a whole panel where uh, uh, Cetera, which is one of the dispensaries right. here in Florida, is going to be talking a, a lot about you know the different processes that they use to to. Um, grow and to process um, and the different safety measures. And then we also have their COO coming down to talk about their support for home grow. So um, it may be, you know, you may think that these dispensaries aren't going to support home grow, but some of them are. And they see, um, you know, the <clears throat> they see the advantages of home grow. So um, I don't I think, think I'm going to be great at growing. So I think I'm still going to have to go yeah, buy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And we, and we we can barely keep the basil plants alive. Right. <laughs> it is pretty wild fundamentally, though, when we think about this, right? If uh, I understand that, you know, we're talking about 90 years of regulation, but the federal government's telling us that we cannot grow a plant. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. It exactly. still remains baffling. And it's not even the worst plant. Look at all these plants that you can grow. I can right. grow mistletoe if I want, right? right? You can kill people with that. Right. But the, like, so that, that kind of leads me, leads me to something here. You know, we're, we're talking about what you can and can't grow, and there's the politics of it all. You know, we talk about liberty and things like that. You know, sometimes when we talk about legislation, we're talking about this amendment, we're talking about, what, almost $40 million that truly has sunk um, into this. There's a lot of people listening right now who won't ever, ever touch a cannabis product or a psychedelic um, just because they don't need to or maybe they don't have to. There's an element. You know, we have Chris on the phone. He's a vet. We've had vets on here who literally need this because if they don't have this, they have to go back to something else that is bad for them. Um, But can you talk about on two levels maybe what is in it for somebody who doesn't use these drugs uh, if this uh, amendment passes. That's actually funny that you brought up the vet, the vet thing because I did a talk a few years ago, five or six years ago, um, at a community event where I thought there was going to be a lot of support for, um, for cannabis, right? But it was, it was a very urban event. And I saw so much pushback against legalization that I was like floored. But it was a lot of stigma. It's a lot of... This was in Florida? Yeah, this is in Florida. This is, you know, you smoke weed, you're going to end up in jail, you're going to end up dead, you're going to be in a gang, that's it, period. 
So um, at, at some one point during this thing, a, a woman stood up and she was a veteran. And she was like, I understand that a lot of people around here don't use it, don't want to use it. Um, and I get it, but I need it. Yeah. And you need me to have it. Right. Because I may look like you, I may talk like you, but I'm different. I'm right. not like you. And I need this to keep me sane right. because you don't want me insane mm. walking around the streets, right? So that like really kind of painted a picture to me of, well, yeah, you know, w w you know, it affects all of us. It affects our entire community when people are unhealthy, especially mentally unhealthy, mm. you know? So there's something in it for everyone. And if you don't use it yourself, you know somebody. I mean, even right? CBD though, right? It's good for inflammation, mm. but if you have pain. Well, you can eat a CBD cookie these days. Right, right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, if you have pain, if you have trouble sleeping. And I mean, like this, the psychedelics are the real, are going to be game changing for like veterans and people that suffer with PTSD and CPTSD. It's game changing because it allows you. So a lot of really quickly, a lot of, of, of trauma and, and the stuff that your anxiety, all of that stuff is stored in your body. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult to disassociate these, these thoughts that you have with all this stress in your body. But they use MDMA or psilocybin. MDMA has been incredibly effective right. um, to have to relive these thoughts, to relive this trauma without the traumatic body experience. So when your brain goes back to remember it again, because you when you're remembering something, you're only remembering the last time you remembered it, not the original event. So the last time you remembered this, it didn't have all that trauma associated with it because you had all that, all the um, relaxation, oxytocin right, going right, right. in your in your brain. Yeah. You had you were feeling good so while you experience. relived it, right. and it can disassociate that that trauma response from it, which is life changing right. for veterans. And and there are currently um, trials, right? Some maps, in Miami. In fact, I looked at maps. By the way, said that they're January. They're expecting to get FDA approval or hoping yeah. to by awesome. that time. Yeah. And, they, yeah. and we're we're like on board. We had. You know, yeah. Rick Doblin out at uh -huh, our conference right. and their whole team came out. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, phenomenal. And they're really on the cusp of oh, doing yeah. something uh, amazing mm -hmm. over there. And Rick will be the first one to tell you that it's not only veterans that suffer with PTSD. And he has a whole chart that he puts up. Yeah. And he's like, you know who suffers from the most PTSD? Women. Yeah, that's right. True. Yeah. And it's like there's all of this trauma that goes on that nobody really addresses. So there's a whole segment of the population that suffers with PTSD that doesn't really, you know, we associate it with, you know, shell shock and, you know, war and things like that. And not to minimize any of that, but there is a lot more to it than just that. Okay, I think we've got another caller here, although I don't see that person's name here, but hi, uh, <laughs> you're on the air here. Hello? Hello, me? Yeah, it's you. Sorry. Oh, great. Hi. Hi. Uh, I was just calling to put my, you know, four cents or whatever it is. Uh, I don't want to use my name or nothing because um, it was quite plentiful in the 70s and it was uh, profitable. And it should be now if we'd only tax it and make it like alcohol, which is in my opinion only, of course. But I've had so many. I've had four friends die in, uh, from alcohol uh, accidents and liver and but none from cannabis, but yet it doesn't seem to, uh, I don't know, people can't wake up. Yeah, yeah. thank you. True. Thanks Absolutely. for that call. By the way, I wonder, um, with, with more states legalizing uh, recreational uh, marijuana, how, do, 
I heard a lot about, um, you know, when you can test for alcohol, obviously, 0.08, I think it is in Florida, it's illegal. What about for, for cannabis? Have we seen any technology on that where states are using any of that? Because in in the labs, that. but not on the streets. Yeah. For testing the product for, for, or for, for testing like, people? For, like, for testing people. Like, say oh. you got pulled over for, like, possible cannabis yeah, use. There's a breathalyzer, apparently, that they can use, and they're supposedly, I could be wrong, but they were supposedly allowed to use it in Miami. But they haven't used it. Like nobody's used yeah. it yet. Interesting. Um, but it, you know, I'm I'm not sure that it would right. be worth the trouble. Have you guys are are you uh, are you familiar with stories of people um, sort of stepping off alcohol using uh, plant medicine pot? You, mm, well, alcohol and cannabis. I don't know any particular anecdotes. Not, not cannabis, psychedelics, yes. but yeah, psychedelics for sure. Uh, yeah. Quitting drinking. Yes, LS, LSD was the cure for alcoholism before they before they demonized it for to to stop the you know the hippie anti war movement and, yes. and even so. microdosing. So even if you microdose like point one, point two, point three, you don't even feel it yeah. over time. You will stop drinking. Yeah. Huh. There, there are there are studies of uh, of veterans that have been examined, and forty five percent quit alcohol, forty six percent quit opioids. So cannabis is being used as a replacement uh, for many of our vets uh, for other drugs that are much more harmful to their health. Hey, Christopher, we let you go. I know that another bill. We talked about this in the story I wrote last week. Uh, so a bill that you or Normal has been fighting for is to allow the legal. Um, if you use it, you're a medical patient that you don't get fired for on your job if you're Employee like urine tested, right? And uh, we ha- we saw that happen, I think recently there was a big story in the news about that, uh, but that ha- that legislation has not moved here in Florida. Every single year, um, we continue to see teachers, firefighters, uh, people that work in our correction systems, uh, you know, first responders that are putting their lives on the line in many cases, and they are still being fired from their jobs uh, for using this as legitimate medicine. Uh, it is uh, atrocious that the DeSantis administration and the Florida GOP don't even give this bill a committee hearing. And we've even watered it down to where it only applies to public employees where we're not mandating anything uh, to the private sector. Um, but the fact is, is that cannabis is a state legal drug. You should not be fired from your job uh, for utilizing it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. That was the voice of Christopher Kano from Suncoast Normal in studio with us today. Pete and Colleen Sessa from the Cannabis Coalition. They are throwing a, an event tomorrow, an expo, education, experience, Cannadelic Summer. It'll be at the factory and the fairgrounds in St. Pete. That's 26222 Fairfield Avenue South. What was that website again? Cannadelicsummer.com. And I'm uh, sorry if we couldn't get to you for the phones. Thank you uh, to all the callers who called in. You're listening to WMNF Tampa on behalf of myself, Ray Roa, Mitch Perry, my co-host, Ben Montgomery, the Sessas, Christopher Kano, our board operator, Skip Sassy, and Irene on the phones. Thank you so much for listening. This has been WMF Tampa. Stay tuned. Art in Your Ear with Joe Ellen is next, and we'll see you next week or tomorrow. Yay. Thank you.